Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. I am so thankful that you are here today. We continue on in our sermon series this summer called Unhindered, where we're looking at things that the Bible shows us will hinder our relationship with the Lord and in many ways even hinder our relationship uh, with others. Well, as you know, this past week was a special day here in our country. What did we celebrate this past week? Fourth of July or July 4th, or as people said in the early service, Independence Day, right? July 4th, of course, is a wonderful time of celebration because we are blessed to live in this country called the United States of America. We are blessed to have the freedoms that we have uh, here today. Uh, I've been reminded, especially over this past year, as God has allowed me to travel to several different countries uh, for the purposes of ministry and, and, and prayer and the, ministry, the, the process of praying and ministering to various people and situations, um, we are a very blessed nation. There is no way around that. Uh, many of us recognize that God has blessed us, but I think sometimes it's hard for us to grasp the extent to how blessed we truly have been. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God has given us the freedoms that we have as a nation. Amen? And so I'm thankful for the freedom that we have here in our country, in America. But not only am I thankful for the freedom that we have here in America, more importantly, I'm thankful for the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that all of us were born into sin. That means literally by our very nature, no one had to teach us how to sin. We had a sinful nature, and therefore nobody had to teach you how to lie. Nobody had to teach you how to whine, whine and complain. We got it honest, okay? And so the Bible says that the wages of our sin is death. It means literally that the consequences, the judgment of our sin is the wrath and judgment of God. Like that's what we deserved in and of ourselves. That is what we were sentenced to. That is what we would all experience. If it weren't for the fact that Jesus Christ came and gave his life for us, Jesus came and he lived a sinless, spotless life and he died on the cross as a substitute for you and for me. And the Bible says three days later, he rose again from the grave. What I'm saying to you this morning is that everybody who believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we spiritually are forgiven and set free. Though we've sinned and deserve God's judgment, by God's amazing grace, he now forgives us and now cleanses us and allows us to experience the gift of eternal life. In other words, spiritually, those who believe in Jesus are set free. The Bible says it this way in John chapter 8, verse 36, so if the Son makes you free, you will be free, what? Indeed. It means absolutely freed, completely set free. Spiritually, this is what will happen in your life when you believe in Jesus. I'm thankful for our freedom here in America. Even more so, I'm thankful for the freedom that I have in Jesus Christ. But I wanna ask you a very interesting question this morning. It's one that I hope that you will seriously examine and seriously consider. It's one that I hope that you will give much thought to for the rest of our time together this morning and maybe beyond if the Lord wished it to be so. And that is this. Are you really free? Are you today really free? Now, maybe you're thinking, well, Pastor, wait, wait a second. I live in America. Of course I'm free. But that's not exactly what I'm asking you. 
Or maybe you'd say, but pastor, I remember a time in my life where I believed in Jesus Christ. I repented of my sin. I was forgiven and saved. I remember even people who were there when I got baptized. Well, of course I am free. Just because you have experienced national freedom and you've experienced the gift of eternal life and spiritual freedom doesn't mean that you're walking in that freedom today. It doesn't mean that you are experiencing the freedom that Christ came to give and offer when he came to offer eternal and abundant life. In fact, the truth of the matter is, while there are many of us today who experience national freedom and even experience the gift of eternal life and the spiritual freedom that comes along with that, the truth is that many of us today are held by an invisible, if you will, prison, like invisible chains in many ways, where we allow the hurts and the hangups and the hardships of our life and of our past to rob us of joy and to limit what God wants to do and to restrict where God is wanting to take us. I believe this morning there are some things that God wants us to see in Hebrews chapter 12 that frankly are tough and there are areas of sensitivity in our heart and life. But the fact of the matter is while we live in this free country and we experience freedom in Christ, there are many of us today likely who not are living in that freedom because we've allowed these other issues to hold us in bondage. And my hope and prayer this morning is that if that is true in our life, that God will expose those areas where the enemy has lied to us and where we have allowed our flesh to take over and that today will be a day of deliverance and freedom through Jesus Christ. Having said that this morning, as we look to Hebrews chapter 12, I wanna to talk to you this morning on the subject, the hindrance of bitterness. Now, throughout this summer, we've been talking about numerous things that hinder us in our relationship with the Lord and our relationship with others. But this hindrance that we get to today, frankly, it is subtle and it is silent. It is something that seems to not be that big of a deal. But the truth is that when you get beyond the surface of it, we will quickly discover that this hindrance affects every other aspect of our life. God wants it to be uprooted. He wants it to be removed so that today we experience the victory that Christ came to give. Hebrews chapter 12, I want you to look with me this morning at two verses of scripture. Last week, we looked at 14 chapters of scripture. Today, we're gonna look at two verses, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. And if you're physically able, would you please stand to your feet? The Bible says this, verse 14, pursue peace with all men, and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes what? Trouble. And by it many be Defiled. Let me read verse 15 again. It's going to really be our main verse of the day. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the freedom that we do have in this country. Thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ. And thank you for the authority of your word. God, your word is perfect and it is pure and it is true. But God, I confess today that I am imperfect and we are all imperfect. And this topic at hand is so heavy and so difficult because God, it, it, it affects us and it hits us in places of, 
that are very sensitive. Father, to deal with this, it requires much vulnerability and honesty and frankly, trust. And so God, I confess today that I need your help. I pray that you would speak to each of our hearts and lives. God, many of us put on a mask, many of us kind of hide things within our heart and we put them off for a long time and we think all is well. But God, I pray today that where the deep recesses of our heart have been hurt, I pray that today would be a day of deliverance and a day of healing. God, where we've given in to the lies of the enemy or the temptations even of our own flesh, I pray that today would be a day, Father, of healing and forgiveness and restoration in our relationship with you. God, please do a work in our hearts and lives that could only be explained by your hand and your grace at work in our life. And we'll praise you for it and give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. The hindrance of bitterness. I'm convinced this morning that bitterness is something that every single one of us can relate to, but frankly, it's something that we also usually misunderstand. Oftentimes, when we think of bitterness, we think of bitterness as an emotion, and we think of it as a description of how we feel about something. But the truth is, bitterness is not an emotion at all, even though it is associated with our feelings. Bitterness is a state of being which results from an unwillingness to forgive and to let go. Bitterness is a state of being which results from an unwillingness to forgive and let go. Bitterness causes one to be in a state of resentment, a state of perhaps anger, or a state of antagonism towards someone else. Even at hearing the definition this morning, I'm sure that someone is thinking, but pastor, that that wouldn't be me. That's not right for a Christian not to forgive. And a Christian shouldn't be unwilling to forgive anyone. A Christian shouldn't harbor those feelings about anybody. A Christian shouldn't be negative or resentful towards anyone. Well, the truth of the matter is, while that is true, the fact is that we don't always forgive like we should. We don't always let go of things like we should. Sometimes we go through difficult things and it's very difficult to forgive. And sometimes we feel justified in our actions. Frankly, we don't want to forgive. But regardless of the situation, if we refuse to forgive, we will eventually come to experience bitterness in our lives. And it's no small thing. In fact, that's kind of the context here, verse 15, when he says, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. It's like God is saying, you see to this, you look out for this, be aware, be on the lookout. Don't allow a root of bitterness to take place in your life. So this morning, as we study Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15, I want us to make four observations about overcoming this hindrance, this obstacle of bitterness. Four observations. If you're ready, would you say, I am? Glad you are. All right, number one, as we study this, I want us to see the process of bitterness. The process of bitterness. Now, I have known several bitter people in my life, and I confess at times, I too have struggled with bitterness. At times, I've struggled with forgiving, or at times, I've struggled with even wanting to forgive. Bitterness is something that impacts every single one of us. But I'm convinced today that bitterness really is a process, it's a process. Now, now think of it for just, this way for just a moment. I have had been a pastor for many years now, and I have been blessed to have numerous conversations at times with children or at times with students or at times with college students or whatever else. And oftentimes as we're talking, I will ask a question something like this. To children, I will ask, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
Or I'll ask a student, well, what do you think you want to do when you get done with high school? Or I'll ask a college student, what does your future hold? Like, what are your greatest ambitions? You know, as I've asked that question a whole lot, I've never heard anybody tell me when I ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? I've never had anybody tell me, I want to be an angry old man. <laughs> but I've known a lot of angry old men. You know, when I meet with couples for premarital counseling and they come in and, and we talk and we begin that process and usually the first time I meet with them, I begin to talk to them and ask them questions about their story and how did they meet and how they came together and what are their goals and their aspirations? Like, what do you want to do with this life and this future together? What, what do you think God wants to do? I've never heard them say, you know, we want to be a bitter old couple one day. Never heard that. But I confess in the same office, in the same seat, I've met with numerous bitter old couples who can't even look at each other. People who never thought they'd be there, like this was never their aspiration, this was never their hope, they never thought they would be there. But the reality is, is over time, if you're not doing the right things and instead of doing the wrong things, what will happen is bitterness began to creep into your life and it will affect everything about you. It is a process. It's a process that is described, frankly, by means of an agricultural term or a horticultural term. And that is with this picture that the Bible speaks of, not as bitterness as an emotion, but as bitterness as a root, the root of bitterness, God says. So as we think of the process, I want you to consider two things about the root of bitterness. First off, in order to have a root, a root doesn't just suddenly appear. You have to start with something. You have to start with a seed. That's exactly right. If you want to grow something in your garden, if you want to have some sort of fruit or plant or whatever else, it does not just suddenly appear. You have to first have a seed. And then you, of course, go out and you, you remove things a little bit and you put the seed down and then you cover it back up. But here's the reality. That root starts with a seed. What is the seed? The seed of bitterness is the hurt and pain that we experience. The seed of bitterness is always the hurt and the pain that we experience. The roots will not come unless there is first a seed that is planted. So the seed is always hurt and pain. And one of the difficulties about this is that hurt and pain can come from so many different situations and circumstances. Sometimes that hurt that we face in life, that pain that we experience in life, frankly, it comes as just a normal, natural part of the circumstances and trials of life. We live in a fallen world that is filled with brokenness, and because of that, we experience certain pains and hurts. For example, we discover that we have cancer, and it's inoperable. We lose our job with no explanation at all after we've been faithful for all these years. A loved one suddenly passes away, completely takes us off guard. Those things are real life circumstances and situations that are unpreventable, they are unavoidable, they are a part of the trials that we face, but they cause hurt and pain. But then there's another kind of hurt. Sometimes we face hurt that was brought intentionally against us. We're hurt by others who intentionally have done something, someone that we love, about, love someone that we care about, someone that we, uh, because we're close to them, we expect more of, someone maybe even that vowed to be with us forever. We look at those situations and sometimes things are done to intentionally hurt. A spouse tells us that they no longer love us and they are leaving. A friend betrays us and turns their back on us. A coworker manipulates a situation to get one leg up so they get the promotion and put you down. Someone that you care about spits in your face and goes the other direction. 
There are some hurts and pains that we face that are the intentional actions of others striving to cause hurt. And then frankly, there are some hurts that we face that are completely unintentional. Someone does something or doesn't do something. They didn't intend to hurt. They didn't mean to leave us out, but they did and we are hurt and offended. We experience pain as a result of it. The family member unintentionally left us off of the wedding invitation list. We were forgotten about in that invitation to go to that birthday party. Someone forgot to send you a get well message when you were sick last week. Someone forgot it was your birthday. It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. Right? Sometimes it's unintentional. Life is busy. There are things going on. And well, how could you not know? It's all over Facebook. Not everybody's on Facebook. But these hurts and these pains come. And then there are times, frankly, that we experience hurt that are they're literally made up in our own mind. We look at someone's actions or inactions and we think, well, they meant to harm me. And they're sitting there, not, they're just happy as a, as, a, as a bird could be. And they're moving on with their life. And we interpret as they've done something evil against me. These hurts and these pains, frankly, are a seed that if not dealt with in a proper way, they will lead to a root of bitterness in our life. Bitterness is so common because it always begins with the seed of hurt and pain. And every single one of us who live on this earth experience it. Job said it this way in Job chapter five, verse seven, man is born for trouble as sparks fly upward. In other words, as natural as it is that you will have a little campfire and the sparks will fly upward, guess what? We're gonna have some trouble and we're gonna have some pain and we're gonna have some hurt whether we like it or not. Now, most of us, especially here in America, we do everything that we can to avoid pain. I don't want any hurt. Not only do we do that for ourselves as parents in our culture, we're even now doing that for our children. Let me make everything easy for my child so that life goes well and good for them. No, you are setting them up for failure in the future if you're doing that. So we, we, we try to avoid hurt and pain as best we can, but here's the reality. If we will handle hurt and pain in a right way, if we will look to God and trust him and turn to him, God will actually use that hurt and pain to mold us and to shape us and to equip us ultimately for his glory and even for our good. In fact, did you know in Hebrews chapter 12, the context of these verses on bitterness is God is talking about disciplining his children. In fact, God is describing those who have sinned against him and they've rebelled against him and they've gone their own way and done their own thing. And the Bible says God disciplines those he loves. Like a father disciplines his child, he disciplines them. Why? Why does he allow that hurt and why does he allow that pain? Because he loves them and he wants to draw them to him and he wants to mold them and to shape them and to grow them to be the vessel he's called them to be. We understand that, don't we? As parents, if our children are disobedient, if our children do things that are wrong, do we not enforce some sort of a consequence? Is there not some form of a discipline? Is a pastor not at my house? Maybe there should be, Okay. We do. We, we, there's things. Why? Because we want them to understand. We want them to grow in their knowledge and their wisdom and their understanding. We want them to be the person that God wants them to be. Here's the reality. There are times that God allows hurt and pain for the purpose of correcting us. But regardless, even if the pain is not a part of God correcting us, it is always a part of him perfecting us. Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. It says, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but it is sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. 
I'm thankful that there have been times that God's allowed hurt and pain to correct me from my actions of going the wrong direction. But even at times when I have honored God and I have lived for him and I've been in right relationship with him, even then difficulties have come. But even in those moments, God is still using that hurt and pain to mold me and to shape me, to better equip me to be the vessel God wants me to be. James chapter one says it this way, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So when we go through hurt and pain, remember that seed is the hurt. If we will turn to God and trust him in the trials, God will grow us. But if we instead don't turn to him, The hurts and the pains are likely to become a seed of bitterness that is planted in our own lives. A root begins with seed. The seed is the hurt. But then there's a next part of that, and that is this. There must also be soil. The soil is the heart of man. Now think of this for just a moment. A seed has incredible potential for life, but it will lay dormant and lifeless if not put in a certain environment. If I were to call up one of our farmers in our church this week and say, hey, hey, would you bring me, I need just some seeds for this project uh, that I'm working on. If they were to bring it to me and I were to lay those seeds here on the podium and I were to leave and come back next week, guess what I'm gonna find when I get back? Still seeds. In fact, if I were to leave the seeds here and go on a trip for 10 years and come back, guess what I'm gonna find when I come back? still going to be seeds. That's exactly right. Why? Because it's not put in an environment to do anything further. No, if you want a plant to grow in this context, you go out to your garden, you go out to your flower bed, and I am not a garden expert by any means, but you dig down into the soil, you remove a little bit, you put the seed into it, and then what do you do? You cover it back up. The seed is the hurt. The soil is the heart of man. A seed will not grow by itself. It must have the soil. So the soil that holds this root of bitterness is the human heart. The hurt occurs, the pain takes place. And in that moment, frankly, there's nothing we can do about it. We can't go back and undo it as badly as we might want. We can't change it. We can't wish it away. The hurt and the pain has happened. Here is the seed. But in that moment of experiencing that hurt and pain, we have a critical choice to make. We can forgive it and release it and let it go, or we can hold on to it. It's really that simple. We can let it go and give it to God, or we can instead hold on to it. But here's what happens. When we hold on to it, it's like taking that seed, it's like putting it in that garden and covering it up, hoping that all will go well, hoping that there will never be any evidence of it, hoping that eventually it'll rot in the ground. But when we do that, it's like taking that hurt and pain and we're putting it in the soil and there we are bearing it. It's in that moment that the Holy Spirit is saying, no, 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 let it go. You gotta forgive that person. You gotta let it go. You gotta show them grace just as God has shown you grace. But instead, oftentimes in our flesh, we say, no, I don't want to let it go. God, I don't know how to let it go. I can't move forward. And when we do that, like a seed beneath the soil, we think nobody else will really even know it's there. We rarely admit it. But the very moment we choose to hold on to it, through our own thinking, we begin to water it and nourish it as we think about the hurt. 
as we dwell on the offense. And oftentimes, even as we play that offense over and over in our minds. Most of us think, frankly, this would never be a part of our lives. Most of us think we would never get to that point, but I'm telling you, it is more common. And that seed and those roots begin to spread quicker than you can ever imagine. That's why Solomon said in Proverbs 4, verse 23, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. The process of bitterness. The second thing I want you to see this morning moving forward then is this. I want you to consider the problems of bitterness. The problems of bitterness. I believe we all understand that there are many problems that come into our lives because of bitterness, but for our time together, I want to list two major problems with bitterness. The first is that bitterness is very difficult to discover in our life. Bitterness is very, very difficult to discover. Think of this for just a moment within this picture, this agricultural picture. When you think about a seed for a moment, when you think about the roots that come, where do the roots form? They form in the soil. They form beneath the surface. Unless you are growing a plant in a jar or a small fishbowl to where you can examine and see everything that takes place with that root system, the fact of the matter is the seed is completely covered. So often hurts and pains take place in our life. Frankly, we try to shove it down. We try to ignore it. We try to move on with our life like everything is fine and well and good. But the simple reality is just as the roots are easy to hide beneath the surface, so too is the hurt and the pain that we have experienced. We might put on a smile like everything's okay. We may say all is good, but the fact of the matter is we often are just simply choosing to ignore it. We can try to move on and think, oh, we'll be okay. We may try to change our environment. We may try to change our friends, our lifestyle, or even change our thinking. But if the issue is still unresolved in our heart, it will not only form a root, the root will form tentacles that spread deep and wide in the recesses of our heart. If you ever studied a root, you know it doesn't typically just go straight down. It begins to have arms and fingers that spread, doesn't it? If we don't deal with that issue in our heart, it begins to spread and it begins to woo, uh, uh, weave itself into recesses and channels of our life that we didn't even think possible. And yet we go on shrugging it off, putting on a smile, ignoring the issue that's there. Why do we do that? Why do we ignore the source of this fruit? Why, why do we put it off and act like everything's well and good? There's a lot of different reasons that might be the case, but I think one of the major reasons we often do that is because our hurt and pain, that, that's, that root that's there, it all finds its source back into something that is very, very painful to us. Frankly, to get back to that issue was very sensitive our emotions there are very raw. It demands much vulnerability and it demands much honesty. Frankly, it takes a lot of time. Some of us don't want to be embarrassed. Some of us are unwilling to give the work that that's going to require. We don't want to spend the time. It would be easier for us just to move on or so we think. That root of bitterness is so difficult 
to deal with. But I want to remind you this morning, while we are ignoring it and pushing it aside, that root is developing tentacles and it's spreading to various parts of our life and it's affecting us. But I'm telling you this morning, Jesus came to give his life for us so that we can experience eternal life and abundant life. He came to give us freedom, not so that we would be bound by this bitterness and bound by this anger and bound by this resentment and bound by the hurts of yesterday. He came to give you a hope and to give you a future and to give you a joy and a peace that passes all understanding. Galatians chapter five, Paul says it this way in verse one. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Don't give in to those those slaveries. Keep living free, the freedom that you have in Christ. Six verses later, Paul then looked at the same believers and made this statement. You were running well. You get the picture here. You were living in your freedom. You were honoring God. There was a joy and a peace in your life. But listen to this statement. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? The fact of the matter is when you begin to think about things that hinder you in your relationship with the Lord especially when it comes to issues of forgiveness and issues of bitterness, there is always a who. Well, I was doing well. If it wasn't for this situation and what this person did and this harm they brought against me and what they said and how they betrayed me, Satan will always put a who in your life to hinder you from the things of the Lord. So it's very difficult for us to diagnose. Satan often works through situations and even sometimes people to discourage us, tempt us, hurt us, and wound us. If we would just swallow it and don't deal with it, it will hinder us from going further with the Lord. That's why the Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 12, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. God is not saying you can lose your salvation, but he's certainly saying you can lose the sweetness of that fellowship, the closest of that relationship. You can come to a place where you're no longer moving forward in the things of the Lord. Oh, we say God's grace is sufficient for me, but then when we face those hardships and those hurts, we now realize, I don't know if that's true or not, and I certainly can't express it to others. It becomes a hindrance in our relationship with the Lord and even with others. The second part of this major problem with bitterness is not only is it difficult to discover, secondly, it is so destructive. It is destructive. Seems innocent, doesn't it? Uh, Pastor, I've put that aside years ago. I just ignored it for all these years. Yes, the hurt happened. I smile with life and go on, right? Some of them might argue, but pastor, if it's hidden in my heart, nobody else will ever even know about it. I don't know how you respond, but sometimes when hurts come, it's easy to look at situations and think, that person's just being a moron. I'm going to move on with my life, right? I've been hurt here. That's just people being people. That's ridiculous. I'm going to move on and ignore them, and I'll be good. But what we don't realize is if we don't deal with that, it is so destructive in our lives. Why? I put it this way in your worship guide. The roots always produce fruit. The roots always produce fruit. The roots may be hidden below the surface, but eventually what is taking place below the surface will begin to manifest itself out in the open. Roots always bear fruit. They produce fruit and it comes out in the open. Let me illustrate that for just a moment. When I was in high school many moons ago, 
The class that I had the biggest challenge with in all of high school and in college for that matter was anything related to science. I did not enjoy science. I know some of you are like, science is amazing. Science is wonderful. No, it's not, okay, at all. I, I hate it. I don't know why. I, literally in college, I had to take one science class in college. Um, I did this test to kind of get through another one, but I had to take one class. And literally going into the final exam, I was praying for a specific grade so I could get a D and be done with it and it would be over, okay? I was not gonna need that as a pastor, I didn't feel. And so, but I just didn't enjoy science. I remember the one thing, one lesson that stood out for me in my high school years of science class. One day I had a teacher show up Great teacher, he made life fun and enjoyable, but I just struggled with this class. He came and he brought in a loaf of bread. He told us all to get a tissue. We all grab a tissue, place it on our desk, and he takes a piece of bread and he puts it on everybody, puts one on everybody's desk. And so he begins to ask us to make observations about this piece of bread. And finally, we began to quickly realize what he was getting to. We all had something in common sitting on our desk. Not only did we have a piece of bread, a slice of bread, every one of our slices of bread had at least a spot of mold on it. Then the professor, the teacher asked a question. How many of you all would still eat this bread? Now, being resourceful, not wanting to be wasteful about things, I grew up in Alabama. You sometimes don't know what you're eating in different situations. You don't always wash your hands in advance. I said I would still eat the bread. And he asked why. And I said, well, what I would do is I would pinch off this corner here that has the mold and I would eat it and life would be good. Why waste a whole slice of bread when only a little piece of it is contaminated, if you will? And so he asked, well, how many of you agree with Matt? And literally every guy in the room was like, that's me, man. Let's eat that bread. Let's do it right now. And the girls are like, eh, that's disgusting, you know. (laughs) So sick. So then the teacher was like, I want all of you to see something. So then he took this bread, he smashed it. I remember, I remember smashing this slice of bread in his hands and he walked over to a microscope and he said, now one by one, I want each of you to look at this bread. And I began to look. And the more I looked, I began to realize something very interesting that absolutely disgusted me and still changes the way I think about bread today. While I was seeing this little tiny small speck of mold at the end of my little slice of bread, what I couldn't see with my eye is that mold had roots and it literally spread all throughout that slice of bread like a spider web that you couldn't see with your eyes. But when he put it under that microscope, I couldn't believe it. It looked like I was looking at veins or something and all of this was mold. Say, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying, go clean your pantry this afternoon. (laughs) No, that's not what I'm saying. That's a good idea, though. (laughs) Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying so often, we we see this little spot here and this little issue here, and we're like, well, I don't know where that came from. And we see this thing over here. Oh, well, that's just this part of my life. It's not a big of a deal. What we don't realize is the root of bitterness is spreading in our heart, and it's spreading throughout our life, and it's contaminating everything about us. Literally, scripture says here, by it many be defiled. It will defile you, frankly, and it will defile everyone within your sphere of influence. We try to hide it. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. That hurts from years ago. I've moved on. Well, why are you still thinking about it? Why do you still have issues with that person? 
here's an illustration. When, when, I, when I was a kid growing up, we'd go to the pool and we'd play or do different things. And maybe some of us big kids, you know, still or, or whatever. But we'll go to the pool and we'd have a beach ball or a volleyball. We'd be playing in different things. And for some reason, it was always this competition amongst the guys. You know, we were immature, but we'd take a beach ball and we'd try to see how long we could hold it underwater. Anybody ever done that? Y'all had a terrible childhood. Nobody else did that? Okay, I don't know. You take it, you shove it under the water and you could hold it down. You could sit on the thing, whatever. You could hold it as long as you want to. You might get a minute, you might get a few, you might get five, you might get 10. But eventually, guess what happens? Eventually that ball comes out from under that surface. And when it comes, it comes up with force. And when it comes up with force, it sprays water on everybody within its sphere. When we have bitterness in our heart, that unresolved hurt, we can shove it down as long as we want to. But eventually, it will come up. And when it does, it will touch everybody and everything. In fact, it'll impact you and the way you see things. Remind of illustration, frankly, it still to this day grieves me. Seven or eight years ago, I was pastoring in Christiansburg and there was a brother in Christ. I love this man, love his family. I've ministered to this family in numerous situations. A gentleman approached me and asked me if he could meet with me. So I agreed to meet with him and we talked and he said, Pastor, I, I gotta tell you, like, my family and I are in the process of leaving the church. And I said, okay. And I asked him some things about it and it became pretty quickly, it became obvious very quickly that this was not something that he wanted, but it was something that he felt he needed to do for his family. And so as I began to listen to his story and began to ask questions, I quickly began to realize there was an issue that was happening with his wife and there was something real that was going on in her heart and life. And so I asked him, what happened? He went on to explain how there was another lady in the church almost, I mean, it's like seven or eight months prior to this moment, almost a year earlier, there was another lady in the church that had said something. It wasn't intentional, it wasn't, uh, angry or vindictive, but she had said something that frankly had caused hurt in this man's wife. And so I asked him, well, what did she do? Did she handle this biblically? Did she go to her and address this? And he said, yes, my wife went to her and addressed this. And I said, well, what did the lady do? He said, Pastor Matthew, the lady did everything she should have done. She came to my wife. She admitted that she was wrong. She had no idea that she had, she had hurt her in that way. It certainly wasn't intentional. And she said, Pastor Matthew, she asked my wife to forgive her. He said, after that, literally this lady, she's prepared meals for our family. She's watched our children. She's done everything possible to show her love and try to make things right. So I'm sitting there with the obvious question, what is the problem? He said, here's the problem. My wife refuses to forgive her. She absolutely refused to forgive. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. And he said, and since that's happened, everything's wrong. When we come to the church, the building's way too cold. She's no longer comfortable. She no longer wants to go to small groups because hello, that lady's in that same small group. She no longer wants to put our children in the children's ministry because sometimes that lady serves in the ministry once a month. Pastor Matthew, she, she feels like she's no longer growing. She's not getting anything from the message. She's not getting anything from the sermons. Like she's not growing anymore. I said, well, how's her personal walk with the Lord? It's not happening. Well, can I ask you, brother, like, how's your marriage? It's not good. All I, all I hear about are my flaws. And I told him, I said, brother, I will pray for you because this is a spiritual battle and issue in our heart. 
Because if she does not forgive and let go of this situation, she's gonna continue the same cycle and the same spiral no matter where you go. As God is my witness, and I'm not trying to be right, but seven and a half to eight years later, guess what's come true in their life? It has been a downward spiral, a constant pattern. Why? Because of the destructive nature of the root of bitterness. It will rob you of your joy. It will hinder you from what God has wanted to do. How does it do do this? I gotta say this quickly, but it destroys several things in our life. It destroys us relationally. What are some of the fruits of bitterness? Here are just a few. Think of it for just a moment. A person with the root of bitterness has a critical spirit towards others. They have a pattern of tearing others down. They can be very easily angered. The person with bitterness has a very cold disposition. They usually isolate themselves. They often have a showy facade, but beyond the surface, they are harsh, judgmental, and sarcastic. They're usually very hypersensitive, commonly upset with the actions or inactions of others. They tend to hold on to grudges, never choosing to forgive, and often even replay the offenses in their mind. A bitter person oftentimes will pick a fight. Why? Because they're at war even within themselves. They tend to emphasize the shortcomings of others, but minimize their own. When you give a description like that, to be honest with you, it's easy for us to say, you know, he must know the same bitter person that I know. I I know who he's talking about. But the truth of the matter is hearing those descriptions should cause us to search within our own heart and our own life and ask, God, does any of these describe me? Is there bitterness in my heart? It destroys us physically. Did you know that even having bitterness in our heart, it weakens our immune system. It causes issues with our blood pressure. It's associated with cardiovascular diseases. Literally, it causes severe changes in metabolism and the functioning of our vital organs. There's a group of doctors in England that have also diagnosed over 50 diseases that are directly related to the bitterness of the heart. It affects us physically. But even more importantly, it affects us spiritually. It affects us spiritually. Our relationship with the Lord grows cold and distant. We no longer experience that sweet fellowship, that joy that we once had. Even sometimes the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we don't sense it because frankly, our hearts have become so hardened. How can we? It affects us spiritually because ultimately, when all is said and done, we look at God and we think, God, how could you have allowed this to happen? God, why didn't you answer my prayer? God, why weren't you there? Why didn't you work in the way that I asked you to work or I thought you would work? God, why have you allowed this bad thing to happen to me? It affects us spiritually because ultimately the root of it all is we're looking at God and saying, my plans and my desires are more important than your plans and even your will. God, I could have done better than this. I could have done better than you and it affects us spiritually because in that moment we begin to get angry with God thinking that he was somehow unfair, somehow he didn't answer, thinking that he was somehow any less God. So what do we do? If you're still with me, would you say, uh-huh. I want you to see the prescription for bitterness. What do we do? Verse 14, God gives us two words of instruction Now, forgiveness is certainly a part of overcoming bitterness. Please don't hear me not say that. Uh, Please don't hear me not say that this morning. But it's very interesting to me that God here doesn't say, 
So pursue forgiveness. If God said pursue forgiveness, I think for many of us, it would be overwhelming because we'd be sitting here thinking, but God, that's impossible. God, that's overwhelming. I can't do that. And for many of us in that moment, we'd throw in the towel and we'd give up and we'd just stop the pursuit altogether. But he does say that we're to pursue something. Now, remember the idea of pursuit is that you are going after it. Many of us, we, we sit down and we pray, oh God, would you help me with this area? And we sit there and do nothing. God, would you, would you bring this to my heart and life while I sit here and just wait for it to happen? And God's like, get up and pursue the things that I'm calling you to pursue. God, would you help me to be at peace with so-and-so? And God is saying, yes, I will help you. Get up and pursue this. Two things God tells us to pursue. First and foremost, we are to pursue peace with all men. That means literally we are to pursue harmony, if you will, with others. We all know what it means to pursue something. We pursue certain goals at work. We pursue certain hopes for our family. We pursue certain events on the athletic field. It means to actively be involved, to actively strive for, to actively go after, to do the right things. And God says, pursue peace with all men. Now we like the idea of pursuing peace, but here's the hard part, with everybody? And God says, yes. Even with the person that's caused me hurt and harm? And God says, yes. God, even those who have made me to suffer, you know all the hardship. And God says, yes. Pursuing peace with all men does not mean that everybody is gonna be peaceable towards you. It doesn't mean that they're going to receive you. It doesn't mean that they're going to love you. It doesn't mean that they're going to embrace you the way that you desire. It doesn't mean that at all. But the idea of pursuing peace with all men is the idea of you want to make sure there's nothing that will come between you and other people, that you want to be kind to them, you want to be courteous to them, that you would treat them even as Christ treated even his own enemies, that you'd love them, that you would pray for them, that you would have grace and compassion even towards them. So, Pastor, that's impossible. It is impossible in our own flesh. But with God's help and with the Holy Spirit working in us and through us, what happens is this. God brings us to a place where we have a wholehearted trust in him. God, I might be sinned against. Someone might be hurting me or they might have done me so wrong. But God, I'm looking at you. I'm not focused on the offense. I'm not even focused on the offender. God, I'm looking to you and I'm trusting that you are bigger than all this. And God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I believe you have such control that you can work all things together for your glory and even for my good. So God, I'm looking to you and I'm trusting at you. And in doing this, God, I want you to help me to be peaceable, to live at peace with all men. Jesus modeled that for us in countless ways in the gospels. But let me give you one of the greatest evidences of that. Isaiah 53, Jesus is being falsely accused. He's literally to the point where he's being crucified. Isaiah 53 verse seven says it this way. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his what? Mouth. Lord, help me to not open my mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep before its shears is dumb, he did not open his mouth. Even to those who were crucifying him, he said nothing ill against them. In fact, he took that cross, he had some assistance all the way up to Calvary. And finally on that cross, he began to utter those words, didn't he? What were they? Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. 
God help us to have such a pursuit of peace with all that even in the midst of affliction, we can trust God and we can trust his plan. And we can actually, if we look to God and trust his plan, at times we can even look upon them with a heart of compassion and say, God, they don't realize the extent of what they're doing. That we pursue peace with all men, harmony with all men. But secondly, what he tells us to do, he says, pursue holiness. Pursue holiness. You may be sitting there, Pastor, but you don't know what's been done to me. You don't know how evil that person was. You don't know how evil that action was. They meant to harm me. You're right. I don't know that other person. I don't know the situation. Truth be told, I'm not saying that the other person deserves even your forgiveness. I'm not saying they deserve it. But here's what I am saying. I am saying to you wholeheartedly that regardless of the other person, how they respond or not, regardless of what they've done or not, as a child of God, we are called to pursue holiness. Holiness means to be set apart The Bible says that God is holy. He is set apart above all other gods. And because he is holy, he calls us as his children to be holy. In other words, I'm no longer longer living for myself. I'm not living for the world. I'm now seeking to live a life that honors God. I have been set apart by God and for God. The moment I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, the Bible says positionally he calls me holy. But now I'm to pursue that in my life. I now want to know God. I now want to grow in my relationship with God. I now want to be more and more like him as he molds me and shapes me to be the person he wants me to be. Holiness is my calling, but holiness is also my goal. It is also my hope to be like Jesus. Or as we used to sing when I was a child, the old song said it this way, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like him. All through life's journey from earth to glory, all I ask is to be like him. Many of us want to be like Jesus, but did you know this this morning? We can't be like Jesus without facing some suffering and hardships. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Philippians 3, verse 10, that I may know him, Jesus, and the power of his resurrection. And we would say every day, especially on Easter, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And, he continues, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. So when we face hardships and difficulties, how are we to respond? We face hurts and pains. How are we to respond? We're to respond like Jesus by pursuing harmony with others, but also pursuing, at least for us, being set apart. We're to respond like Christ himself would. What does that look like? Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 tells us, let all bitterness, that's an interesting word, isn't it? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice, being kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. It's amazing how harmony with others and the holiness of God go hand in hand to help us overcome bitterness and the many destructive things it brings into our lives. Final point is this. I want you to consider the priority for overcoming bitterness. The priority for overcoming bitterness. Somebody thinking, man, it's the Sunday after July 4th. I did not expect to deal with this today. Well, God meant for us to. Where do we start what, what do we do? Maybe you're here this morning, you're like, you know, Pastor, 
I wish I'd have heard this message 20 years ago because I've been dealing with some hurt and issues for a long time. Or maybe you're sitting here thinking, you know what, like, I, I know somebody who needed this message because, man, they sure are a bitter person. Kind of written it off. It's for somebody else. Well, before you throw in the towel thinking it's too late for you, or before you write it off thinking it's only for someone else, I would encourage you to do four things so that you can walk in victory in this area of your life. Number one, look to Jesus. Write it down. Whether you're there today or will be tomorrow, you're gonna need this. Number one, look to Jesus. Get your attention off of others and the hurts that they are causing you. The longer you focus on those hurts and the longer you focus on those offenses, you're going to wallow in self-pity and eventually you're gonna begin to justify your own actions that frankly would be displeasing to the Lord. So quit focusing on the offenses and giving into the temptation of self-pity. Instead, look to Jesus. Hebrews 12 says it this way. We are to be fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen to this statement. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. But pastor, you don't know how bad it has been. I assure you, it has not been as difficult as the crucifixion that Jesus himself endured. And yet he won the victory and he gives victory to all who will look to him. Look to Jesus. Secondly, dealing with bitterness, let God reveal it. Let God reveal it. I'm sure many of us think, Pastor, I know my heart. I have no bitterness in it. But friend, be very, very careful. Jeremiah 17 verse nine says it this way. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Your heart will deceive you. It will lie to you. It will mislead you and try to cover up the real issues. And that's why sometimes something happens and people say, well, I don't know where that came from. I don't know why I did that. More times than not, it can be tied to a root of bitterness. Let God reveal it. Our prayer daily should be the same as David in Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. Here's what David prayed. I would encourage you to pray it every single day. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. God, try my heart, try my mind. Show me if there's any root of bitterness, any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Let God reveal it. Thirdly, what do you do? Third, think of it for a moment. You've looked to Jesus. You've asked God to reveal it to you. Once God does, here's what you do. Whatever the hurt, whatever the pain, whatever the offense, whatever the injustice, here's what you do. You take it and you lay it at the feet of Jesus. You lay it at the feet of Jesus. Jesus. First Peter 5, verses 6 and 7, verses 9 and 10 say it this way. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, which by the way, to get rid of bitterness, it means that we have to let go of our pride and let go of our feeling of a victim. We've got to take those things, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Listen to this, casting all your anxiety, all your cares upon him because he cares for you. 
And listen to his promise in verse nine and 10. For after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, he will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever, amen. It means he's in control of everything. And if you turn it over to him and lay it at his feet and trust him and trust his care and trust his working, he's gonna use it to mold you, strengthen you, establish you to be the vessel he wants you to be. Lay it at his feet. But fourthly, there's a final step. And that is this. And this is the hard one. This is the big one. Say it with me. Let it go. Let it go. You've sought God. You've got your attention on him. You've asked God to reveal it. He has. You laid it at his feet, but here's the problem. You can't lay it at his feet and hold on to it at the same time. Sometimes we hold on to it because we want to get vengeance or we think we're right and our judgment is true. No, I'm telling you, give it to God, trust him, and for his glory and your own good, let it go is what God is calling us to do. You will, listen, if you will let it go, you will be able to live both in harmony with God and with others. But if you refuse to do so, you will enter a constant destructive cycle that will not be satisfied until it destroys everything about you. Let it go. Truth be told, as I think of it, it brings my mind to an illustration that we learned about last Sunday. Oh, here's a good quiz. Anybody remember who we learned about last Sunday? Don't say Jesus, Sunday school answer. We learned about Jesus. Yes, we did learn about Jesus. We learned, who was it? Somebody was listening. Hallelujah. Right, Joseph. Joseph faced hardship after hardship, difficulty after difficulty. If anybody had a right to be bitter, it was Joseph. If you remember last week, we ended the story with Joseph revealing to his brothers who he is. He shows incredible grace towards them. He forgives them and he says, guys, you meant it for evil, but God worked it for good. Now follow what happened after that. Joseph brought all of his brothers and their families and his father Jacob to Egypt with him. He gave them houses and lands and all kinds of stuff. For the next 17 years, Joseph was restored to all of his family, including his father. But 17 years later, Jacob, his father, got sick and passed away. When Jacob passed away, Joseph's brothers all of a sudden went into this like defense mode. They were thinking, oh my goodness, Look how generous Joseph, look how good Joseph has been to us. Look how kind and how merciful and forgiving. I bet he was only doing that because dad was here. And now the bitterness of his heart, he's going to get revenge upon us. He's gonna treat us harshly. He's gonna judge us because we, nobody could be that forgiving and that generous and good. Now that dad's gone, ooh, it is not gonna be good. Genesis chapter 50. His brothers do everything they can to basically earn his favor. And listen to what happens in Genesis chapter 50, verse 18. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, Joseph, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? In other words, he's insane to them. Am I 
in God's place to judge you and determine what you deserve? Am I in God's place to determine whether or not to give grace or not? No, his point is, I'm just a man, guys. I'm not God. Many of us who are holding on to our bitterness, we're acting in that situation as if we are God. Knowing what we should or shouldn't do to someone based upon what they've done. Verse 20, as for you, you meant evil against me. He recognized it. This was evil, guys. Your action was evil. You meant it for evil against me. He didn't deny it. He didn't ignore it. He didn't cover it up. Oh, life's good. We're all well and good. No, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. You know what we hear in Joseph? We hear and see in Joseph a man who's at peace with God and at peace with others. How can that be? How can he be at such peace with God and such peace with others? It must be because he was never hurt. He never had anyone hurt his feelings the way mine had been hurt. He never had anyone betray him. He had all that and more. Here's the difference. The difference is, along the way, Joseph looked to God. He trusted God. He turned it over to him, and he moved forward walking in victory. See, we think bitterness is about what someone did or didn't. Now, here's the question. The question is really about, are we willing to trust God? Are we willing to let it go? And for his glory and even our good, are we willing to walk in victory? So the choice is up to you. What will you do with the hurt and pains of your heart and life? Will you look to Jesus? Will you let God reveal those situations to you? Will you lay them at his feet? And then will you move forward today, letting it go and walking in victory? Or do you really just want to keep holding on to it, souring, letting it destroy you? There's no in-between. It's one or the other. It's God's way or it's your way. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for the ways that you have worked on this in my life. Uh, Father, even as I prepared to preach this today, um, you know that the enemy has brought numerous attacks in my own heart and life of areas that I have forgiven and let go of and move forward that, man, they just, those, those things seem to, seem to creep back in these last few days. But God, I thank you for the victory that we have because of Jesus. We can't uproot bitterness by ourselves. We can't have victory by ourselves. The only way we can be conquerors in this is through Jesus Christ as our Lord Father, I pray today, there are some here today who may not have a personal relationship with you. They may not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So God, I pray today that you would show them that's the missing piece, that's the key. They have to be in a relationship with you. And I pray, God, today that today would be a day where they repent of sin and they confess Jesus to be their Lord and their Savior. God, that they would know you personally. But God, I believe there's also many here today who do know you. We have talked about freedom and yet in our own life, we're not free. 
because of the bitterness that's in our heart. Like a root that's spreading all throughout our life, frankly, and poisoning everything it touches. God, we need your help. I pray that we would today be willing to pursue peace with others, but also holiness. I pray, God, as you reveal these things to us, Lord, even now, I imagine that if we're struggling with this, we already have a situation or a person in our mind in this very moment. And God, as you put it there, I pray that we would lay it at your feet. We would literally name it out loud and lay it at your feet and let it go. You are God. We are not. You are all-knowing. We are not. You are good. And frankly, even on our best day, we are still a sinner in need of your grace. So God, help us to trust you and to turn all these cares over to you. And by this day forward, walk in grace and in victory and in joy of knowing we've been set free. I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. If you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.